0: Welcome to the Willow in the Windies with David Oram. Cricket, lovely cricket, at loss where I saw it. Cricket, lovely cricket, at loss where I saw it. He hardly tried his best, for that won the test. They gave the crowd plenty fun, the second test on West Indies won. With those little pals of mine...
1: Hello and welcome to The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast, with me, David Oram. I'll be looking at the recent major cricket news stories in the region in the company of my good friend, the renowned West Indies cricket commentator, Joseph Reds Pereira. Greetings Reds, how are you? Well, I'm still trying to recover from the England win
0: against South Africa. What an outstanding performance (laughs) uh, by Chris Broad, And of course, um, the high-scoring ODI is a, a
1: massive win by Australia. Over India in that series. Yeah, no, I do, I think we do want to uh, uh, spend a few moments uh, looking at uh, the international stuff. I mean, perhaps we'll talk about the international stuff in the moment. But I know Reds, you've just uh, got some news that's fairly hot off the press uh, uh, from the Caribbean.
0: Yes, one well, must say congratulations to Jason Holder, the West Indies uh, captain, and um, he is the sports personality of the year in Barbados. Mm. Uh, the um, Guest speaker was the former West Indies captain, Clive Lloyd, and uh, Holdo um, had some competition from Craig Braffitt, and uh, he also had some competition from some track and field stars. Uh, but um, also uh, named in that was Floyd Reefer who was named Coach of the Year. So that's a fairly fresh story, mm. and uh, we congratulate uh, all of those who got awards in, in, in that event.
1: Well, that's hot off the press, as it were. We look forward to seeing Jason in domestic cricket in upcoming weeks. We spoke last week about he's not going to be playing in the Pakistan 2020. Let's hope that he can turn in some performances in the four-day format. But just to return briefly to international cricket reds, You spoke particularly there about uh, uh, Chris Broad's son, Stuart. (laughs) I fall over his name uh, a lot and do that. As somebody who saw Chris Broad uh, score a lot of runs uh, 30-odd years ago. Stuart with uh, uh, his latest phenomenal spell to decimate South Africa.
0: Yes, maybe I had his father in mind who was unlucky not to have played more test matches for England. But a brilliant performance. I mean, in a sense, Broad has been in the shadows of Anderson somewhat and um, he really came up trumps with those Mm. early wickets that really set South Africa back. I mean, it was almost an embarrassing performance. They have now lost the series to England. It's good for a team to win away. Lots of test teams can win at home. Here is England winning away. And, of course, there's one test match to come. Uh, Whether we'll see Cook Coming in to open the innings, so we just have to wait and see what would be the final South African eleven. But England um, in the riches, and you know they 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 must eventually return home
1: feeling you know that they're getting near to, to the top of the, of the heap. Yeah, something we didn't. Uh... Chat about last week Reds when we when we talked I mean we had a lot to catch up on, having not spoken for a while in last week's edition, but we didn't talk about Hashim Amler standing down from the uh, South African captaincy. Davilias has taken that on and uh, begun with a loss did did Amler's resignation surprise you?
0: Not totally. He didn't seem to be a happy captain. he didn't seem to have um, his teeth into the job. I think he was happy after the Indian experience uh to have come good with the bat and he felt maybe it was time to to hand over uh, to a new captain how long a b the villas will hold on to that captaincy is a different matter because i think he's thinking of his financial future like many players in mm. the caribbean and around the world and he may be in fact going off uh to to the ipl um so we, we just have to wait and see um, what the South African Cricket Union will do uh, about the captaincy in terms of a long-term future. But before we finish with that South African Test match, one must, in fact, also credit the uh, the batting of Joe Root. Yes. I hope that many young West Indies batsmen, even the likes of, of Darren Bravo, um, can look at that in ends and see how to put together... Uh, a quality testing Good judgement, good start selection. Um, he defended when he had to. He played shots uh, based on where the line of the ball was. It was, in fact, a little bit of a, of a I wouldn't call it a masterclass yet because he hasn't reached at that level. Hmm. But it was a good example for young players in the Caribbean who hopefully were watching.
1: Yeah, uh, ab- abso- Absolutely. Uh, South Africa's defeat is a uh, Apparently, uh, put India on top of the ICC's test rankings, uh, Reds. Uh, that seems a bit odd to me. Do you think India are the, the best test team now?
0: Well, when they can win away, uh, I, I will say yes. Um, so we, we await that. But sometimes, you know, it's difficult to, to work out exactly how the ICC arrives there. And of course, um, um, maybe they've got the, the, the correct f- formula. Uh, but right now, as people watching the results, uh, people wouldn't have uh, maybe India in mind. Those mm. people who followed the game um, closely, uh, but we just have to wait and see. Um, you know how it will maybe uh, towards the end of 2016 really pan out. Well, it's
1: it's, it's interesting you say about the, the ICC's formula. It's something I felt very critical of for some time. The their, their ranking system, purely talking about the teams here. And they're put together by uh, uh, a statistician in England called called David Kendix, who's also the scorer at uh, Lords. And uh, I, for some time, have really had difficulties with uh, the way he weights uh, some of these series and uh, and results. And personally, I I don't like the system. I'd far rather see something in place. Uh, like, like a squash ladder, Reds, or, or something like you have in boxing. If you have somebody as the world champion, if they lose, the winner is now world champion. Even if that's a shock, even if it's an upset against the run of play. Um, and I've put together my own squash ladder, if you like, of the history of Test cricket, and at the moment, the number one team on that basis would actually be Pakistan. If one traced it back as who's beaten the previous winner as it were and Pakistan would be number one in the world England two, Australia three and India would be four It's
0: interesting you talked about um, the formula Um, with New Zealand beating uh, Sri Lanka uh, the Westernese uh, have bounced back to be number one in the 2020 and talking about that a former Westernese fast bowler and commentator for television, Ian Bishop was saying that he hopes that Darren Sami who is not a contracted player the captaincy because he think he's an excellent 2020. He's got uh, the feel of, of, of the team. And although there might be no Narayan or no Pollard uh, because of information that we know, uh, he feels that Sami will be the best man, but he feels it will be a tough competition for this team to win. And he hopes that they will first get t- to the semifinal before he st- starts thinking else.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm glad you raised that. It was, it was going to be one of my questions. What, what sort of makeup of the... With the World 2020 coming up, the makeup of the West Indies side. Yes, I agree with yourself and Ian Bishop. I'd like to see Sammy continue with that mix of side. Um, you're right about Narayan. He still question marks about his action. Uh, my question to you... Well, one, you alluded there that Pollard won't be playing. That's something... I wasn't aware of. I'd like to know more about that. Uh, but also, do you think the likes of Dwayne Bravo is going to be selected?
0: Yes, I think Bravo will be selected. I think all will be um, uh, considered. The question of Pollard, is injury, came back from the big bash in Australia, injured. Right. And uh, I don't think um, he's gone back into the nets yet. Um, how serious is the injury? Not a lot of information. Uh, but the, there is a, a question mark. Um, whether he'll be, he'll be fit enough, and uh, we, we just have to wait and see, maybe on his fitness. But I think certainly uh, the likes of, of Simmons, the likes of Bravo, uh, Dwayne, Ronzo mm. um, Russell, Russell. Uh, Pollard, etc. Yeah. Uh, Ram Paul will, will, will be all, all be in line. Yeah, well, I, ho- I hope you're
1: right because that does seem to be the format that West Indies excel at. Um, they are ranked number one now, and one would hope that with all the politics that's surrounding selection in the other formats well no let's let's make this clear the 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 politics of selection really is about the o d i side the test side, despite what the Australian commentators who witnessed West Indies' defeat in the tour there recently. Uh, who were a little dismayed that many good cricketers were playing in the Big Bash, West Indian cricketers playing in the Big Bash and not in the Test side. But none of those players have made themselves available for Test cricket. The people that are not being selected have made themselves available for one-day internationals are the likes of Dwayne Bravo, Pollard and others who've been dropped. And in the 2020 format, they seem to be being selected. What we're saying is we hope to keep seeing them selected for that World Cup.
0: Well, we'll have a, a... Good chance to see what would be the policy of the selectors. Upcoming in June, when South Africa and Australia comes uh, for the ODI series. My own personal feeling that all should be considered on their uh, ability. I I see Bravo, etc., Dwayne Bravo, etc., being considered, and uh, definitely I would think there there will be maybe once they fit in the unavailable. Yeah. in our ODI team against Australia
1: and uh, South Africa and you think that despite the fact that um, they prefer to play in uh, overseas domestic 2020 tournaments rather than playing their own domestic 50 over competition they're not playing in the, some of these players are not playing in the Nashco Super 50 at the moment they're playing abroad you still think they should be playing in the be selected for the ODI side I think we are coming to the stage where we've got
0: to show some flexibility. We have, we have got to, to hand out uh, that olive branch. And hopefully, uh, if the olive branch is accepted, um, there will be, in fact, uh, maybe a, a change of attitude by the players. And like the other players from Australia, etc., uh, they will surely sh- show a greater commitment uh, to the West Indies lineup and maybe accepting less uh, 2020 uh, contracts all, all over the world
1: hmm. oh, Interesting and that's certainly been uh, what Phil Simmons the, the the coaches seem to be arguing for that uh, the likes of Dwayne Bravo are in the ODI size. we'll watch this space uh, the Nagico Super 50 we were talking about there uh, that's progressing uh, into its later, later stages um, do you think anybody can stop Trinidad and Tobago from winning this competition Reds?
0: Well you know um It's a game game called cricket, and you you (laughs) have to be uh, very careful. But uh, right now, T&D, the Volcanoes, the Windwards, and the Ghana Jaguars, they seem to be true. It's a touch and go situation um, between Barbados and Jamaica. Barbados must win every um, every game. Mm. Um, Every game is a final, so to speak. And, uh, you know, Jamaica is watching, hoping that... uh, the Barbadians will be upset, and they can also maybe try and pick up some bonus points. So far, the crowds have been poor, and I would think certainly for the matches in Trinidad at the Oval, the pitches have been very much bowler-friendly. Uh, too much spin, the ball is turning, and that's not good for the National 50-over. It's not good um, for the spectators, and uh, we just have to wait and see whether we'll see bigger crowds coming. Uh, for the semi finals, even the ones where Trinidad and Tobago um, are not playing, we need to have that sense of maturity uh, yeah. to see how oh, I'll go and see um, a Barbados Guyana game or a Windwards um, Barbados game, yeah. even if Trinidad is not playing.
1: We've got to get to that stage. Well, hopefully, particularly if it is a Barbados uh, against Guyana semi final, there's a, uh, a lot of Guyanese and Barbadians. In Trinidad, um, hopefully they'll go along and support that game. Um, the the construct of the two groups though uh, Reds uh, Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago and Barbados,
0: all in one group. do you think the two groups were a little lopsided? Well, you have to go back a bit. When um, was volcanoes objected to the fact that all four franchise teams were in fact scheduled for some Kitts? Mm. And uh, the Windwards protested, the Volcanoes protested as a separate franchise, I may add. And they got the Western East Board to switch the CCC from Port of Spain, and they brought the Scorpions down to to, to the Trinidad Zone. So it wasn't originally planned that way, but the Volcanoes felt that the four franchise team should not be in. Um, one grouping and that brought about the change
1: hmm. Interesting um, I mentioned Phil Simmons uh, just a moment ago it reminds me of one thing I just wanted to uh, address with you uh, uh, Reds regarding back to last week's podcast uh, we did have a comment from a, a listener who, who felt that you and I were perhaps a little unfair uh, and didn't get uh, the, the message across. We were discussing the ban on Fazir uh in Australia, the media ban, and he felt that we'd perhaps uh, put that across that it was a WICB decision when it seems apparent that it was Phil Simmons that had personally banned um, him from reporting and speaking to the players. Um, I don't know whether we did get that across clearly or not, um, but we just wanted to, to respond to that, didn't we, Red?
0: Yes, I think um, if we were slightly misleading, and we didn't want to mislead anyone, it was in fact Phil Simmons, who I think was the man behind the ban, which was eventually uh, lifted. How well the players cooperated with Fazir after that, I I really uh, don't know. I think there was another query by... Um, One of our listeners Mm. who felt that we were a little light on Chris Gale, that we should have been uh, a little more, more, for want of a better word, heavier. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think basically we had said that this thing has been well uh, spoken about all over the world. And I think on record, I think this podcast feels that Gale made an awful mistake. He was out of place. He was unprofessional and um, possibly very sexist. And, um, you know, hopefully he has learned his lesson and maybe in the past when he was not um, all that professional to um, female journalists in the Caribbean, maybe then the authorities should have, in fact, you know, quickly got in contact with him and said, listen, that is not, um, uh, you know, allowed and, you know, this is unacceptable. As uh, it's now established as being un- un- unacceptable, if, if anybody said that to any um, female journalist.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, we hope we've uh, clarified uh, that there. Uh, of course, we always uh, uh, try and bring balance, but also um, our own personal opinions as well um, into this. But always encourage response from uh, from listeners, uh, and uh, if they want to get in touch with us, either via Twitter. Uh, or the comments page on SoundCloud, or or, or personal email, they're they're very welcome. Uh, we'll move on. We'll move on, Reds. Uh, something that caught my eye this week in uh, news in the Caribbean was uh, was was news of the returning Guyana of Brandon Bess. Yeah, that was
0: a, that was a real um, interesting story. Um, you know, I I always you know looking back would feel for Brian Bess. Because, you know, 48 hours before that test match
1: started, he was going to watch it as a spectator. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden, you know, there was a telephone call or, or,
0: or somebody contacted him and said, get dressed, you, you're heading for Kensington.
1: Yeah. Well, and,
0: it, to it, be tra- it, what was... and to be thrown in at the deep end, David, yeah. it must have been an awful
1: experience. This was, I mean, this was a story that I didn't really know until... Um, some, some, yeah, till relatively recently. Uh, this was a young guy. He was at the CCC, I believe, um, and there yeah. was an injury on the eve of a test match, and so he's a, he's a young, up-and-coming prospect, but no real experience. Him. Plunged into a test match
0: because Pascal, the Grenada and windwards fast bowler, who's had a couple of caps in the West Indies, um, came down hurt, mm. and they didn't have they didn't have cover and uh, the the young fast bowler was, was chosen. It turned out to be, of course, a, a nightmare. And, um, you know, uh, he virtually fell out of the game yeah. until, until quite recently where he played in the late Roy Fredericks competition in Eastern Guyana. He's 28 years of age, and he seemed to uh, lost a lot of confidence. Uh, maybe he didn't get the required help, um, from uh, a, a number of, of, of sources and he still hopes to make the guy and a team so he is trying to come back uh, but he is really lost three uh, their good years
1: yeah well we wish him the best and uh, it can be done Jerome Taylor proved it he was away out of the game for a good couple of years and he, he made made the comeback and now opens the bowling for the West Indies again Um a guy who seems to be going in the other direction, Reds, who only a couple of years ago was opening the batting for West Indies and now, according to reports, wants to take up baseball, is uh, Karen Powell.
0: Yes, and my latest um, information is that he did make the cut. Um, the, um, the franchise decided that um, on the trials, um, he was not good enough to be awarded the contract. Um, So no mm, baseball future for him, Mm. as far as I know, that's what I read, and he might well like to get back into the whites and start playing for Nevis, start playing for St. Kitts Nevis, start playing for the Leewards, and with runs under his belt, and he needs to inform everyone with runs under his belt and playing in whites uh, that he's back.
1: Yeah, well, and one would, would hope so. With mean, a very strange descent that it seemed, Reds, from a distance, uh, a man who joined a very elite band of West Indians to score 100 in each innings of a test match uh, uh, for, for the region. Uh, and then within a, a short time, he's out of the side, made himself unavailable, turning his back on cricket. He's made some comments that he's not been supported and helped by the WICB, um, I mean, do you know more about it than I do, Red? I mean, what, what, what actually was he expecting?
0: Well, I think he asked for some time off to sort out some personal matters. Hmm. And uh, that didn't quite get sorted out. And, and the more he took on those maybe personal matters, the further he got away from the game. No. I remember when Bangladesh played um, a practice game in, in St Kitts. Uh, Shiv Sh- Paul wanted some practice and he volunteered to play in, in that St. Kitts 11th. And I was hoping then, ha, huh, hope that Powell will in fact uh, seize his opportunity uh, to put on some whites and get back into cricket. Uh, mm-hmm. But that wasn't so. He didn't play for Nevis in the, in the Leewards competition, he didn't qualify to play for the Leewards. And I, I think that the, he must accept the uh, majority responsibility for him um, getting himself out of the game. And this is the man who was talked about being a possible West Indies captain three or four years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and not the first one to sort of seem to, at a young age, turn his back on on the game and on the West Indies cricket team in some disillusionment. Uh, Only a year or two before him was uh, Adrian Barath.
0: Yes, um, almost lost uh, from the game in Trinidad. Here's a guy who debuted brilliantly against Australia. And, uh, you know, you probably will get maybe Fazir Mohammed to do a real, um, detailed, um, story on, on uh, how he stepped. I mean, he had many mm. chances. I think Gordon Greenwich was working with him. He was, uh, in and out uh, hoping to make, cause he was still a comparatively young man. And he really mm. looked like, you know, um, the, the the next West Indies opener for a very long time based on how he started. But um, whether he, he he has the passion, whether he has the love, whether he he's willing to do the work, um, we just have to sort of, you know, accept the fact that I think he's lost to West Indies cricket, maybe.
1: Yeah. No they, they, we do we do weep at the sort of like uh, lessening of talent in, in the region or apparent lessening of talent. And yet players are being lost in these odd ways who are still only in their 20s. Um, is, this, is this a reflection of the, um, the poor support within the system? Is this an indictment of the WICB? Is it a reflection of a cultural shift and changes in, the, in, in West Indian society, Reds?
0: Well, I think, basically, we are a small cricketing nation, if not the smallest in the world. Mm. Um, society has changed immensely. Society has changed immensely, um, cricket is not the big, big thing as it was, um, uh, in school many years ago. Um, you know, now you you have options for, for, for young people and options for young women. Um, I think the, the, the reason why people may be turning away from cricket, it's, it's many fold. Um, you know, a lot of scholarships are around. Uh, it's not just one reason, David, um, I think that you had a lot more parental control. Uh, Fathers played a a greater role in their sons, um, you know, playing the game and how how they played. Um, You know, I I think that basically um, we don't have primary school cricket a a great deal throughout the Caribbean. One or two countries have got primary school cricket. So there are many, many
1: reasons why. It's not just uh, one reason. Yeah, yeah. A couple of other uh, areas of West Indies cricket that perhaps haven't got time to uh, feature in detail today, but perhaps for next time. Uh, But just to flag up for listeners, uh, the under-19s have uh, gone off to the World Cup, uh, under-19 World Cup in Bangladesh, and they've had a bad start of it, lost, uh, I think, all of their ODI games in the uh, preparation for that tournament. I think perhaps next time, Reg, you and I can uh, perhaps... Uh, look a little bit more at that tournament and, and also perhaps look a little bit more next week at the, the women's game in the Caribbean where they've just announced uh, their, uh, uh, their, their their latest uh, West Indies women's squad.
0: Yes, certainly uh, we can look at that. We can also look at a little bit of trivia. Um, Norman Yardley, the late captain of England in 1950 against the West Indies, I mean not only captain against the West Indies, but his son hmm. Bobby Yardley um, was on a tour of St Lucia and we can chat uh, about uh, his thoughts on what he
1: learnt about his, his father Well I was, I was hoping um, um, that, I mean we've still got two or three minutes today and I think we want to do more than two or three minutes on the uh, on, on the women's cricket and the under-19s but I think we've got time to sort of uh, look at Norman Yardley and share some things about that now um, it, apparently the, his, Bob, his son, has uh, got a book coming out about Norman Yardley
0: Yes, his son has sent me the book. Um, it's Norman Yardley, Yorkshire gentleman cricketer. His son came out with a Yorkshire 50-over team to play um, a number of uh, matches here against um, their counterparts in St. Lucia. And uh, I was called and asked if I can do a television interview with Bob Yardley, the son of Norman. I, it's a great. Um, he was a very pleasant personality. Um, he didn't see his father play against the Western. He was only two, but he tells some interesting stories. He said that um, his father's maybe best moment um, was, in fact, getting Bradman three times um, without help. Caught and leg like before, and bold. <laughs> he, and the, the other uh, wretched story says his father getting out at 99. And the way he described um, the shot that he played, um, he wouldn't want it to be publicly put out. Um, but he <laughs> felt that his, his father um, maybe was too nice a gentleman. He should have had maybe the kind of no-nonsense approach, let's say, of um, uh, 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 a. word or, 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 or Brian Close. Mm. Um, but he said his father missed a couple of tours because of his professional duties um but uh he he certainly um left a very good legacy and uh, in those days there was in fact a young bob La- a young yardley coming up and in hoping that he will qualify to play for england he had to be born in yorkshire <laughs> he got his he got his wife to yorkshire in time the baby was born but uh, his brother didn't quite go on to play for
1: Yorkshire. <laughs> yes, no, in the days when Yorkshire, you had to be born within the confines to play for Yorkshire, that, of course, has uh, changed now. Yep, uh, Norman Yardley, probably one of those like forgotten cricketers of history. Um, I think most people, uh, if they think of Norman Yardley, uh, know him as the captain of the side that called for three cheers when the Don came to the wicket for his final innings, needing only four... Uh, finished with a, a test average of 100 and was bowled for 0 second ball by Eric Hollies.
0: And of course, um, his father's linked to a famous Calypso cricket, love the cricket at Lord's, there I saw it, um, which is very much part of our theme for our podcast.
1: Absolutely, yes, indeed. And uh, uh, at thirty seconds, uh, uh, I think that's long enough uh, intro of it. I, I'd, I'd be tempted to p- to play the whole thing, but uh, uh, a friend of mine did say to me recently on another podcast that he thought it was uh, just about uh, the, the the best uh, tune out there of a uh, cricket podcast. I'm not going to disagree with him. It's uh, it's a classic.
0: Yes, yes, sir. There were many, many um, Calypso's I mean, there's one on Alec Betzer who taught you to bowl Australia. You know. Um, Really, some very, very good work by the Calypsonian of, of yesteryear, who were very keen on putting words. You know, there's so many on Sir Garfield
1: Sobers, Sir Vivian Richards. Um, you know, it's a collector's item. Yeah, and, and just uh, while we're doing trivia, just just briefly at the end. Last week was the uh, another Yorkshire cricketer, Alec Coxon, who played uh, once for England. Uh, it was the centenary of his birth. He'd have been a hundred if he was still alive. Last week. And uh, I wasn't aware, until I did the research, that uh, uh, the, the, the famous Sir Coxon himself was named after, or his nickname was derived from uh, Alec Coxon, uh, the great uh, reggae and ska producer in Jamaica. That's where he got his nickname from.
0: Well, he will be in that column of a one-test wonder. Uh, Brandon Best might be in that column of a one-test wonder, but... You know, to win a cap is to win a cap. No one can take away that from you. No,
1: that's, that's very true. Very true. I think that's all we've got time for uh, this, uh, this week, Red. Uh, thank you for joining me. I know you always like to thank our listeners.
0: Yes, uh, throughout the Caribbean, from Grenada right up to the, the BVI and in, in North America, where it's maybe uh, pretty cold now, but here's hoping uh, the summer will come uh, very soon. And here's hoping that the summer of 2016, if we can call it summer, because there's <laughs> always summer in the Western East as far as some people are concerned, it will be a great cricket summer for the Western East with the 2020 World Championships and the ODIs against South Africa and Australia.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> amen to that. Uh, and I'd like to thank our listeners tuning in via the internet as well. This has been The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast with Red Pereira and me, David Oram. But I hope you can join us again next time. Goodbye.